This is Bengals Game Plan on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. Brought to you by Bud Light, famous among friends. On the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. Dalton's ready for the snap. Looks to throw. Lobs one in the back left corner of the end zone. Touchdown! A.J. Green on a beautiful touch pass. From Andy Dalton. Dalton waiting for a shotgun snap from the three-yard line. Andy catches the ball. Quick pass. Boom. Caught for a touchdown by Tyler Croft. And the Bengals have taken a 13-0 lead. First and 10 from the 39. Dalton back to throw again. Dumps it off wow. short. Giovanni Bernard sprinting to the 45-50. Wow. Down territory to the See 30. Ya. Nobody's going to catch Giovanni Bernard as he takes it. 61 yards. Woo. Dalton with a fake handoff, throws over the middle, and it's a leaping touchdown catch for Tyler Croft. Touchdown pass number four for Andy Dalton. Clock will wind down with 10 seconds to go, and Dave Lapham, for the first time this year, it is my pleasure to say, coffin nails. Really? Bam, bam, bam. A very pleasant good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light. We are live inside the Envision Cinemas broadcast studio here on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. I'm Dan Horde. He is Dave Lapham. Nice to play some highlights. For the first time this year, the Bengals got off to Schneid and whipped the Cleveland Browns last week. They did, Dan. Anytime you can beat a division rival on the road, it's good. You know, no matter what circumstance you find that division rival in, and there's no doubt that the Cleveland Browns are reeling, to put it mildly. But, you know, you have to take advantage of those situations. And really, the way the game started, I thought, oh, no, they're not going to make this one of those deals where they're going to give the Browns a lot of confidence. It's going to be a nail-biter, and it turned out far from that. They had that early fumble. That's what you're referencing. Uh, But the defense came through, did not give up any yards after that fumble. Cleveland had to settle for a long field goal try, missed it. And as a result, the Browns still have not had the lead for one second this season. Amazing. And that's complimentary football. You know, the offense struggles, the defense uh, has their back. If the defense is struggling, the offense has to have their back and respond with a score. And then I thought it was the best complimentary football game of the season. The score reflected that. But special teams, Adam Jones breaks one for 40, Dan. Erickson broke one for about the same, but it was nullified by penalty. So they, they had some nice returns, and they, they suffocated the Cleveland Browns, got nothing in the return game at all. So I thought that that was their, probably their best overall performance in terms of all three phases playing complimentary football. So the Bengals are 1-3. and three. They're two games behind the Steelers in the division, one game behind the Ravens, who are suddenly reeling in the division. And when the Bengals returned to the locker room on Monday, the mood had improved considerably, according to... Darquez Denard. It's definitely better than it has been in the past. So, uh, you know, it's a got to start somewhere. You know, start run, start uh, yesterday, and we just got to continue to roll on it. And just take the momentum and keep going. We can build off of it. Sleep better, eat better, everything. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's a you know, it's a weight off your shoulders a little bit, but you know, uh, just get you hungry for next week to go out there and win again. You just want, you just like this feeling. So we move on. This Sunday, the Buffalo Bills come to town. A 1 o'clock game at Paul Brown Stadium. Buffalo, one of the pleasant surprises in the NFL so far this season. They are in first place, a game ahead of the Patriots in their division. Buffalo off to a 3-1 and one start and doing it on defense. They really are. Uh, unbelievably, unbelievable job on defense, Dan. And the Bengals are looking for that first home win. You know, they, they got a victory, but it was on the road. But this, this Buffalo Bills defense is something beautiful to watch. 
because they're not doing a whole lot of things, but what they're doing, they're doing extremely well. Leslie Frazier has done a tremendous job of coordinating this group, and communication is the key. When you're playing this well from front to back, the lines of communication are totally open and and being um, uh, heard at every level of that defense. And in the secondary in particular, you know, you look at what they're doing, Every single player in the starting second, every starter in the secondary has at least an interception. Hyde is tied for first in the NFL with three interceptions. They're all in the top eight, or three of the four in the top eight in passes broken up. White leads the NFL with eight. Gaines and Poyer have five, tied for eighth. So three of their four starters in the back end are in the top eight in passes. They're getting their hands on a lot of footballs, and Marvin's talked about it a couple of times. They're tipping them. They're intercepting. Overthrows, they're intercepting. Uh, receiver bobbles it, they're making plays on it. So the thing is, Dan, you look at this, their opposing quarterback rating of 64.1, second best in the NFL. They've allowed one touchdown, fewest in the NFL, and have six interceptions, tied for third in the NFL. That ratio of one touchdown to six interceptions is the best in the NFL by far. There are only four other teams that have more interceptions than touchdowns in the NFL. Detroit has four touchdowns with seven interceptions. Baltimore has allowed six touchdown passes with nine interceptions. So they're only plus three. Buffalo is plus five to that way for interceptions over touchdowns. I mean, they're allowing less than six yards per attempt. So they are smothering people on the back end. So the running game is going to be even more important, Dan. If you can't run it, and they make, and you're in a situation where you have to throw against that defensive football team, the way they're playing on the back end, you could be in for a long, long day. And people have broken some runs against them. Um, it's not like they stink against the run, but they're more middle of the pack. They're uh, 15th in the NFL, allowing 3.9 a rush, and uh, and they're giving up uh, 90 less than 94 yards, 93.8 yards a game, but that's 13th in the NFL. So it's not like they're – dominant in, in stopping the run. So the Bengals have to continue to try to establish that ground game, and it's not going to be easy because they've got a pair of defensive tackles. It all starts right there, Dan. They've got two defensive tackles, you know, like we talk about with baseball. Their catchers, Marcel Darius and, and uh, Kyle Williams, are both Pro Bowl players. Their shortstop, middle linebacker, Preston Brown, 139 total tackles last year. He's a tackling machine. And then on the back end, at the safety position, Micah Hyde, he's the center fielder with three interceptions. They're strong up the middle, stopping the run and stopping plays. They make you you know, throw the ball to the outside, and they make plays on it. So you have to play a very, very balanced physical football game and an intelligent one. If you turn it over, they'll kill you. They've only turned it over once as a football team. No fumbles, one interception. It's incredible. So... They're playing smart football. You know the Bengals are going to play hard. Will they play smart enough? That's the key. That Buffalo turnover came on their first possession of the year. Amazing. Haven't had one since. 43 possessions without a turnover. Let's get to the news of the day, and that is the Wednesday injury report. A lot of names on it for the Bengals today. These are the guys that did not practice. Tyler Eifert, no surprise there. John Ross, no surprise there. Here's the rest of the list. Andrew Billings with a shin injury. Jordan Evans continues to... uh, Come back slowly from the hamstring injury. Ryan Hewitt out with a knee injury. Deron Smith still out with an ankle injury. C.J. Uzama out with a knee injury. So that's seven guys that didn't practice today. The following guys were limited at practice today. 
Adam Jones, hip. Drake Kirkpatrick, shoulder. Brandon LaFell, knee. Tyler Croft, neck and knee. A.J. McCarron, Achilles. And then a couple of guys that had been battling injuries were back to full participation today. Trey Hopkins, good news there. T.J. Johnson. Yeah, both of those guys are manning the right guard position when healthy. Trey Hopkins, Dan, um, it sounded like to me that all he needed to do was get used to the knee brace. It can be cumbersome. I think his strength, his range of motion, his flexibility, all that is is pretty much there. Uh, I, it sounds like and it appears like him going full at practice, he's going to try to go this week. You know, they may decide, like Marvin Lewis always says, I see better than I hear. If he sees them and says, eh, still doesn't look quite right to me, I can give another week and the bye before he plays against Pittsburgh Steelers, he may go that route. But the, the fact that he's out there going full I think is a good sign. Uh, T.J. Johnson will definitely play. Um, Tyler Croft, we had him on Monday night uh, on our Bengals line show. He was hurting. I mean, he was turning his shoulders and not moving that neck much. He was like a robot in that upper body. He was pretty sore. Uh, John Ross, it looks like he's not going to go still with with his issue. Yeah, there's the tight end position. I mean, Tyler Eifert's going to be out. Croft is uh, limited to practice today. C.J. Uzama with a knee injury. I mean, they, they, Ryan Hewitt didn't even he wouldn't he wasn't even on the rehab field. He's got a uh, sprained MCL with his knee. He won't play. Eifert and Hewitt are down. So Croft and C.J. will hopefully go. Seathan Carter's the only guy that doesn't have an ailment. I mean, you, you get five tight end types on your roster, tight end H back types. Only one of them has no malady. So it's crazy. It's crazy. A posi- like we always see, one position group, once it gets injured, it gets beaten up with multiple injuries. It happens a lot. Here's a quick reminder that if you're looking for 50th season gear, the place to find it is the Bengals Pro Shop. You can visit the Bengals Pro Shop at Paul Brown Stadium, or you can always shop online at proshop.bengals.com. Time for this week's Know the Foe segment that's coming up next as we will be joined by the radio voice of the Buffalo Bills, John Murphy. You are listening to the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light. We are live in the Envision Cinemas broadcast studio here on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. Dan Ord, Dave Lapham, and producer Taryn Bland back on the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light. We're live inside the Envision Cinemas broadcast studio here on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. This Sunday at Paul Brown Stadium, 1 p.m., the Bengals host the 3-1 Buffalo Bills. Time for this week's Know the Foe segment and to go in-depth on the Bills. We had another proud graduate of Syracuse University yes. to the airwaves as we welcome in Bills radio voice, John Murphy. Murph, how you doing? Hey, Dan, how are you? Hello, Dave. Good to be with you guys. Same here, Murph. Always great to have you on the show. Murph, after uh, Buffalo had uh, larger-than-life personality and Rex Ryan as the head coach, I would say most of us knew very little about Sean McDermott when he got the job in the offseason. Fill us in a little bit about the Bills' new head coach and the impact he's having in Buffalo. He's had a really positive impact so far, and uh, you know we're all just getting the chance to learn more about him. He is, uh, he's been in the league for a while, about a dozen years or so in the NFL, a graduate of uh, the College of William & Mary where he played safety. He was a he was a championship, a national championship wrestler in high school, right. and believe it or not, that's one of the things that uh, the Bills' owner said they liked about him, just the toughness and uh, the uh, discipline he demonstrated um, achieving that. Uh, played at William & Mary, uh, talked his way onto the staff at the Philadelphia Eagles when Andy Reid was there, hung around there for a long time, eventually became a defensive coordinator, 
Uh, Reed let him go, and he went to Carolina for the last six years where he was defensive coordinator down there. Obviously, went a couple of years ago to the Super Bowl with the Carolina Panthers, and then got the job here. A lot of people thought, you know, he would had a, he probably had a better chance to get the job a year prior. But you know, when you get in the Super Bowl and teams are itchy to make coaching moves, sometimes they don't wait for those hot coordinators to get finished with their team. So he got a chance here in Buffalo, and he's been good, uh, just pretty much as advertised. Discipline organized. Um, there are times when I'd scratch my head, the head and say, I can't believe this guy's never done this before, never been a head coach in any level before, because he does seem to have an answer for every situation, seems to have everybody prepared well and goes through situations, uh, you know, even stuff that you might not ever think of. And uh, he's, he's quite impressive, very impressive so far. Must be a pretty good salesman, too, because you got Tyrod Taylor to take a $10 million pay cut, basically restructure his deal and stay with the team. And, and, and you know, when you look back on his career, though, when he was with Philadelphia, a guy named Donovan McNabb out of Syracuse was a dual-threat guy. And I'm not saying Tyrod Taylor is Donovan McNabb, but can beat you, you know, with his feet and his legs as well as his throwing arm. And, you know, and then down in Carolina, you have a guy like Cam Newton that he was, you know, uh, part of that organization and a defensive coordinator with those type of quarterbacks. And Tyrod Taylor is that type of guy can, you know, dual threat, can beat you a few ways. And and, and I know that uh, Coach McDermott said that he really liked the, the guy that he is, you know, his work ethic and all those kind of things. Did that all add up to, to the, the reason that uh, Tyrod Taylor is still a Buffalo Bill? Yeah, I think all of that. You know, he, you know, Tyrod, we've got two years now as Tyrod Taylor is a starter here. In fact, last Sunday in Atlanta was his 33rd start with the Buffalo Bills, 33rd NFL start. And he is what he is. We, we're kind of uh, we got a good sense of who he is. He is not an extremely high completion percentage passer, and not overly accurate, but accurate enough. He does not turn the ball over. He's got almost a three to one uh, touchdown to turnover ratio as as a starter in the league. Um, you know, are there flaws in this game? Absolutely. You know, he's not extremely tall, so uh, throwing out of the pocket is not one of his strong suits. I think uh, he is sometimes late with his delivery. Doesn't make a lot of anticipation throws. But uh, he's got a strong enough arm, which is important in November and December in Buffalo. And he's unique in that he is so mobile and so athletic. You know, he's had 500 yards rushing in each of his uh, first two seasons as a starter and is on pace to do that again this year because, uh, you know, he, he does. People want to say that, you know, Tyrod, some people tell you, well, he, you know, he takes off and runs. He doesn't really do that. I mean, they have designed runs, but they also have options for Tyrod to run the ball if he doesn't like what he sees downfield. And he, he takes those options. Uh, again, a, you know, after two plus years, I think we have a pretty good sense of who he is. Um, you know, he may be at or near his ceiling as far as an NFL passer, but I think when the defense plays as well as Buffalo's defense has and when the running game is on point, uh, you can win a lot of games with Tyrod Taylor. The voice of the Bills, John Murphy, is our guest. Let's talk about LaShawn McCoy, 68 carries, 21 receptions so far this season. So that's about 22 touches a game. How dependent is the offense on Shady McCoy? You know, it's been interesting. He had a great uh, season opener against the Jets. I think he had 110 yards on the ground. And then back-to-back games, Carolina and Denver, McCoy just couldn't get off the mark. A lot of that due to uh, their opponents. You know, they played some pretty tough run fronts against uh, the Panthers and the Broncos. A lot of it due to offensive line play. Uh, They're using him more in the passing game, using him more as a pass receiver this year than they had in his first couple of years with the Bills. But I do think there's a sense that there's – there's a lot more to come from LeSean McCoy, and they really want to get him going on the ground. That was, you know, he's been their bread and butter. He's been the foundation of their offense for a couple of years when they've led the league in rushing for the last couple of seasons, and and that has to get fixed if they if they want to sustain the early success they've had this year. They 
They won. They beat the Broncos without benefit of a strong running game at all two weeks ago. Uh, things got a little bit better last week in Atlanta, but there's just a long way to go. And I think McCoy. I mean, he talked about it today, and the offensive line knows that uh, they have a they have a lot more to offer than they have so far. The other, um, I think, interesting weapon is is tight end, tight end Charles Clay. You know, got a big free agent deal from the Dolphins. Um, I, I saw Charles Clay at Tulsa a few times, broadcasted games when he was there. He played quarterback. He played tailback. He played fullback. He played tight end. He played wingback. I mean, he was there. He was their Swiss Army knife. That guy did everything at Tulsa. And you look at him. He's not, you know, the Gronk, big, massive body guy, but he can run. He can run routes. He can really run. I think linebackers, you know, you're talking about Tyrod Taylor with his ability to, you know, he's good for 500 yards a, a year on the ground, and a guy like Clay is a tight end, and McCoy out of the backfield, that's tough matchups for safeties and, and linebackers now. They, you know, that's, that's something you really have to get ready for. Yeah, it, the Bills are interesting in that regard in the passing game. They, um, I was just looking at numbers today. 25% of their passing targets this year have gone to receivers. Just 25%. Most of, you know, uh, Charles Clay is the number one targeted receiver and their number one receiver. Right. And I think it's it's been a breakout year for him this year. He's, it's, he's been underutilized in his first couple of years in a Bills uniform, but not this year. I think, you know, the new offensive coordinator, Rick Dennison, has made him a focal point of what they want to do offensively. He had a couple of great catches last week in Atlanta, a 44-yarder and a 34-yarder. And and I think when you look at it, you know, Tyrod's operating with a, a brand-new cast of characters at receivers. The, the guys that he's most accustomed to have been around him for a couple of years. Charles played the tight end and LaShawn McCoy at running back. You know, there's a trust factor there and uh, already chemistry between them. And so Tyrod's going to the people he knows early on in the season. Right. John Murphy, the voice of the Bills, is our guest. Murph, when the Bills traded Sammy Watkins and Ronald Darby, I'll be honest, as somebody who grew up in that area, I thought, well, the Bills are tanking. Uh, they are they are trying to uh, you know plan for the future and get high draft picks and, and basically pull a Cleveland Browns. Was that the reaction locally? Yeah, among some people, I didn't see it. I I I, I think it's really hard to tank in the NFL. You know, I just uh, there's not a whole lot of examples of how that's worked and that people have done that successfully. Um, the Bills, you know, the brain trust uh, Sean McDermott and. And our new general manager, Brandon Bean, uh, were adamant about that not being the case. Um, and what they're trying to do, I think, is a difficult balancing act. You know, they, they want to stockpile draft picks. They, I believe, they haven't verbalized this, but I believe they want to be in position to potentially get a franchise quarterback in next year's draft. But they don't want to sacrifice this year. You know, they don't want to uh, um, tank or they don't want to, uh, you know, strip the talent down so much here that they can't compete this year. And again, the early returns are pretty encouraging that they're able to do that. I think now that they're three and one and beaten a couple of you know pretty serious contenders over the last two weeks, I think um, most of the fan base has come around to the fact that this this is not a tank and it's not in the works at all. And uh, many people believe that'd be stupid to do, especially when you've shown that you can beat some of the better teams in the league. But um, yeah, I mean, I know I understand that reaction that some people had. Um, they were looking at Sammy Watkins, who was coming off a, a season in which he only played half the games with injury issues. Uh, there's a signability question with Sammy Watkins going into next year. They declined to pick up his fifth-year option, so there's a chance he'll hit the free agent market, and I don't know if they want to be in position to you know, pay a lot of money for a guy who has not been in the lineup all that often, at least not on a regular basis. So all of those factors went into it, plus the desire to you know, stockpile traffic. So they pulled the trigger on a, on a pretty bold trade back in August. You look at that uh, defense, Murph, I mean, starts with a couple of big old horses at defensive tackle. Kyle Williams, I think, is a, is an unbelievable football player. 
Darius, when, you know, healthy and clean and all that kind of stuff is as well. Hughes is a great edge rush guy. Lorenzo Alexander's a hell of a story, the way he's come on as a pass rusher and it's continuing this year. Uh, Preston Brown, you know, is, you got, we were talking about earlier, you got a couple of catchers in baseball, right up the middle, strong defensively. Williams and Darius at catcher. Uh, Preston Brown at, at shortstop. And Micah Hyde, you know, in center field. I mean, this defense is well put together, and, and White, God, White is leading the NFL with eight passes broken up. Every starter in the secondary has an interception. Micah Hyde has three. I mean, they're they're amongst the league leaders and passes defensed. It, it's it's a hell of a hell of a defense that's been put together, isn't it? Yeah, and that's really been what's carried them through the first uh, quarter of the season. Uh, the defense. I mean, um, they're the the lowest scoring uh, defense in the league as far as opponents. Uh, going against them. They've given up four touchdowns in four games. Um, they're, they're really good, and, and you're right. They're strong right up the middle. Uh, as far as the defensive line, Kyle Williams, still a prominent player, but um, McDermott's, uh, McDermott's philosophy, and you know Leslie Frazier, the defense coordinator, has executed this, is they want to rotate people through there, so they're playing a lot of different defensive linemen. In fact, uh, Darius, who's been slowed for a week or so with an ankle injury, had the fewest snaps of anybody on the defensive line last week. It remains to be seen you know, how much uh, he's able to play this week. But they're trying to get, uh, you know, a lot of different defensive linemen involved and bring on fresh legs all the time. Uh, and, and you're right about the back end of the defense, too. You know, four new starters, um, great play out of the rookie, Tredavious White. Micah Hyde's been outstanding. Uh, Jordan Poyer's been a really good player, a couple of sacks and an interception, you know, a kind of an un, uh, unknown quantity as a free agent coming over from the Cleveland Browns. Uh, that's been the revelation is how well the secondary has played and, you know, they, they gave up uh, a former second-round pick, Ronald Darby, to Philadelphia to get more draft picks. Same day they traded Sammy Watkins, and it turns out they might be, uh, and it turns out they look better. And, you know, plus, they lost Stephon Gilmore, former first-round draft pick right. for agency. But this secondary is playing better now than they played at any point during the last couple of years. Murph, always great to pick your brain. Travel safe this weekend, and we look forward to seeing you at Paul Brown Stadium. Yeah, me too. I'll see you guys there Sunday. Thanks very much. Thanks, Murph. All right, that is the voice of the Buffalo Bills, John Murphy. We'll take a timeout. Coming up next, the Bills are number one in the NFL in scoring defense, but the Bengals aren't far behind at number three. We'll hear from Cincinnati's leading tackler next. You're listening to the Bengals Game Plan Show, presented by Bud Light here on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. Dan Orton, Dave Lapham back on the Bengals Game Plan Show, presented by Bud Light. We are live inside the Envision Cinemas broadcast studio here on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. And every Wednesday night, we eat well. Yes, we do, Dan. And tonight was no exception. We had a feast of pork, which was scrumptious, to say the least. And uh, it, it started out, though, with assorted fruit, mixed fruit, and it was fresh. I crushed that. Oh, it was awesome. I mean, every bite of fruit crunched you know it was like there was no mush it was all crunch it was it was outstanding it uh it, it seemed like it was just hand-picked an hour before they delivered it so that was uh that was great then you get into the the main course of the of the uh roasted pork green beans uh we had uh, potatoes au gratin which were done very very well rolls and butter and then assorted pastries for dessert uh cheesecakes brownies things of that nature frosted brownies it was all good. All good, Dan. And, of course, it was provided once again by Vondahar Catering, Don Vondahar and his family and his friends. 
Uh, they just do marvelous work. If you have any kind of a need for an office party or a neighborhood function or even a family, a, f- a family uh, celebration, Don Vonderhaar is the place to contact. Uh, if you have a charitable organization, uh, he does a lot of work with the Marvin Lewis Community Fund as well. Don Vonderhaar and Vonderhaar Catering are the best, selected as the best, and it was a landslide vote, and Don Vonderhaar has done it for decades, and he will continue to do so. Absolutely. All right. When your team is one in three, it's hard to get too excited about stats, but maybe we should be more excited about the Bengals' defense this season. They're number three in the NFL in points allowed. They're number four in the NFL in yards allowed. Here is leading tackler Nick Vigil. I think we're playing good. Uh, you know, the first couple of weeks it was just we gave up a lot of shot plays, a lot of big plays that killed us. Um, and this last week we didn't really do that. Uh, we didn't give up any big touchdowns, so it was good. He used the expression shock plays, right. that's chunk plays in Dave Lapham's language, and they did eliminate that last week against Cleveland. They did, and, and Dan, that's the thing that the Buffalo defense has impressed me with. Uh, they have not given up you know, a play. Their longest chunk play allowed for the season has been 44 yards by the Atlanta Falcons, and it wasn't a touchdown. It shifted field position. Every touchdown that they've allowed has been in the red zone. So there's been no touchdowns, you know, that have gone more than 20 yards. So they're not blowing assignments. They're not missing tackles in the red zone, things of that nature, or outside the red zone. So bottom line is they're making you earn it. I mean, four touchdowns in four games, only one touchdown pass. Both of those are fewest in the National Football League. They are just uh, they're they're getting it done. The other thing is uh, only one turnover, the one interception, as you mentioned on the first uh, drive of the game. They've put the ball on the ground three times, which is tied for fifth U.S. in the NFL. Have lost none, which there's uh, they're one of four teams in the NFL can, that can make that claim. On the flip side of it, Dan, the Bengals have only forced two fumbles, and they're uh, uh, they haven't recovered any. So you know <laughs> something's got to give there. The Bengals haven't haven't recovered a fumble in 15 games. A modern NFL record. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So. You know, you think, wow, it probably won't happen against this team. But, you know, when it happens, it happens in bunches. Maybe they'll have a three-giveaway game. They've only got one all season long. If they have a three-giveaway game, they have not lost the turnover battle. The Bengals have not won the turnover battle. You know, Buffalo has won it three times and was even in the other. The Bengals are lost it twice, even twice. They're 0-2, losing it, 1-1 one one in the even ratio. So... Something has got to change there. You know, the Bengals are a minus five, which is tied for the second worst uh, ratio in the NFL, and the Bills are plus six, which is the tied for the second best ratio. So they're on opposite ends of the spectrum in that turnover ratio and that turnover battle. I am going out on a limb right now. I am making this prediction. Mark it down on your sheet, Dave yes. Lapham. You heard it here, 637 and 30 <laughs> seconds on Wednesday night. LaShawn McCoy will fumble this Sunday and the Bengals will recover to end their modern NFL record streak of 15 games without a fumble recovery. I like it. I like everything about that. And, and partly because it's got to end sooner or later, right? Just the odds are they're going to fall on one. But also when you watch the Buffalo Bills, LaShawn McCoy is like the last guy out there that still loves to carry the ball like a loaf of loose. bread. He's loose. And, 
I mean, he'll palm the ball, and he generally does it early in a run, and then when he gets close to traffic, then he'll tuck it. Right. But he loves to, like, have it out there like he's holding a softball in his hand before he tucks it under. And, you know, one of these days, just something funky is going to happen, and he's going to spit it up. And that day is this Sunday. LaShawn McCoy will fumble. The Bengals will recover. You heard it here first. I hope it happens non-contact. I hope he holds it out there like a loaf of bread and drops it. You know, and the Bengals fall on the thing. That would be awesome. How about McCoy, though? You know, people don't realize how good a runner this guy is so since, he's, since he's been in the league in 2009. 9,170 rushing yards, most of anybody. Yep. And uh, 12,263 scrimmage yards, most of anybody. And since he's been with the Buffalo Bills, 2,378 yards rushing, second most in the NFL. So it's not like he's gone away. This guy has got... Four seasons of 1,200 or more yards rushing, five Pro Bowls. LaShawn McCoy, Dan, we were, you know, we were uh, telestrating video for the for the website and for our TV show with Marvin, and he 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 runs sideways as well as he runs forward. I mean, he will go east and west laterally, like I mean, n- nobody's business. He is a great cut uh, running back, a one cut guy. And and he'll he'll make you pay. I mean, you have to you have to leverage that guy with multiple people. You cannot leave a teammate in space one on one with LaShawn McCoy. That Dave Lapham was what we call an unintentionally great segue because we are going to take a timeout and when we come back, Carlos Dunlap will explain why LaShawn McCoy is the most elusive runner mm-hmm. in the National Football League. This is the Bengals Game Plan Show, presented by Bud Light. We're live inside the Envision Cinemas broadcast studio, and this is the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. Thank you for tuning in to the Bengals Game Plan Show, presented by Bud Light. We have Phil Sims scheduled to join us in about 20 minutes, and we would love to see you in person for the Bengals Pep Rally Show, presented by... Miller Lite, that's coming up on Friday from 3 to 6. We will be at Buffalo Wings and Rings in northern Kentucky at the Crestview Hills location. And our special guest in the 5 o'clock hour this coming Friday will be Darquez yeah, Denard. how about that? Playing well, Dan. So Tackling machine. Yep, he has been outstanding the last couple of weeks. As the old saying goes, LaShawn McCoy of the Buffalo Bills could make a person miss in a phone booth. He is one of the shiftiest running backs really, in NFL history. And as Lap mentioned, since entering the league back in 2009, he's rushed for more than anybody else in the NFL, more than 9,000 yards, and he has added more than 3,000 receiving yards. Here is Carlos Dunlap on LaShawn McCoy. Toughest guy to tackle in open field or if he got a couple steps on you. Obviously, uh, you know, there's guys that are hard runners and there's guys that are elusive. He's the most elusive guy that I've ever seen play football. One-on-one in open field, he's making the first guy miss every time, maybe the second and third guy. Yeah, he never seems to do anything running straight to me. There's always a wiggle there. Yeah, if he played basketball, he'd be like an Allen Iverson. (laughs) Good stuff from Carlos Dunlap on uh, LaShawn McCoy. And as I mentioned when we were chatting with the voice of the Buffalo Bills, John Murphy, uh, Buffalo is getting it to LaShawn McCoy a lot, an average of about 22 games, 22 times per game between Runs and pass receptions. And your analogy uh, in the phone booth, if I were in a phone booth with LaShawn McCoy and we were playing tag and I was it, I'd be it for years. <laughs> I would never be able to corral that little dude, man. He, he, is, he is pretty remarkable. And when you, have a, when you have a weapon like that, this is the second consecutive game. Uh, last, last week, Duke Johnson was leading his team in receptions. But half the number that McCoy has generated – 
Um, I think Duke Johnson, as I recall, going to the Bengals game, had 11 catches in the first three games. McCoy's got 21 in the first four. So, I mean, LaShawn McCoy is Duke Johnson on steroids, basically, in terms of what he offers his, uh, his offense. But LaShawn McCoy is not the only person that Buffalo is getting the ball to in terms of the running game. They've got an interesting contrast because he is Mr. Shifty. And then when he comes out of the game, they bring in the classic thumper, Mike Tolbert, 5'9", 250 pounds, and they've given it to him 34 times. And he is a load, Dan. There's no doubt. And, and, you know, I think one of the big things they did was go out and get DeMarco in free agency, who is a blocking maniac at the fullback position. Uh, And he's your typical fullback. You know, he doesn't really care about carrying. He's got one carry for negative two yards. So that was on a short yardage or goal line situation that didn't work out. He's got one catch for five yards. So he's got two touches touches for a net of three yards. And DeMarco doesn't care. DeMarco's like a sixth lineman. He's he's a lineman in the backfield. And all he wants to do is block from McCoy and Tolbert and and, uh, and contribute in that way. And that, this football team reminds me of, you know, like one that was assembled back a few years ago. You know, it's like I, I, I honestly think that McDermott might be an iconoclast. He may have been a guy that could have coached, you know, decades ago. And, you know, you just look at a guy like that, aggressive, tough little wrestler, you know, he'll just gnaw at your ankles forever like a chihuahua. He'll never let you be. And, you know, it, he goes out in free agency, gets hungry players with high character like DeMarco and guys like that. I mean, I think he's he's trying to build a football team, you know, in the image that he wants it to be and, and tough-minded, disciplined, physical, and uh, they're, they're responding quickly. I mean, they are definitely responding to McDermott. Play defense. Don't turn it over have good special teams, and their kicker, Stephen Hauschka, yes. they are calling him Hausch Money in yes. Buffalo. Last two games, he's 7-for-7, seven seven, and among those seven field goals, 53, 55, 55, and 56 in a two-game span. He's made his last 11 field goals of 50 yards or more. 11 in a row. He missed his first field goal of the season and has made eight straight since. So he, come, he comes out and he, he blows a 46-yarder, and everybody's probably like, ah, Ah, uh, what do we got going on? <laughs> like you said, 55, 53, 56, 55. Oh, yeah, we got something cooking here. 11 straight field goals of 50 yards or more. I mean, man, that's that's heavy duty. Heavy duty. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Coming up next, beating the Browns was nice, but beating the first-place Bills would offer greater proof that the Bengals have righted the ship. We'll hear from Giovanni Bernard on that topic next. This is the Bengals Game Plan Show, presented by Bud Light, here on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. Remember, if the Bengals defense records two sacks in one game, you save $6 on Mike's Ultimate Car Wash the next day. Only at Mike's Car Wash, the official car wash of the Cincinnati Bengals. Mike's will also donate a dollar off your purchase to the Marvin Lewis Community Fund. So far... has been raised for the Marvin Lewis Community Fund. That's what I call a win-win-win situation. Everybody wins, Dan. All right, partner. We're back on the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light. We're inside the Envision Cinemas broadcast studio here in the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. Phil Sims coming up in about 10 minutes. The Bengals got that uh, badly needed first win last week, but did so against the Cleveland team that's 5-38. In its last 43 games. What? (laughs) That's not good. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This week, 
They face a more legitimate test than a Buffalo team that's off to a 3-1 and start and beat the Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium last season. Right. That was the game where both A.J. Green and Giovanni Bernard got hurt. Yep. Here's Gio on the challenge of trying to beat the 3-1 and Bills. So every game tells us a little bit something new about us. Um, obviously, you know, we, two weeks ago against Green Bay, told us that we can hang with anybody. Um, it's just a matter of putting it all together, uh, which we did last week, and we just got to do it again this week. Giovanni Bernard, Dan, two touchdown catches in the last two games. His touchdown per snap ratio has to be the best in the league over that two-game stretch. In those eight quarters, who has been more productive scoring points? I mean, how many snaps does he have? Literally, it can't be 20, and he's got two touchdowns? Pretty damn good, and he's he's a weapon in that passing game. He's had a big play in almost every game this yep. year, where there was a 20-yard run, a 20-yard catch, the touchdown catch against Green Bay, the 61-yarder last week. Yep. I mean, as much as we're all frothing at the mouth to see Joe Mixon get the ball as much as possible, let's not forget about Giovanni Bernard because he's been the most productive guy in terms of you know, yards per touch by far. Playmaker. He's got the longest rush of the season for 25 yards, longest reception of the season for 61 yards and a touchdown. The other thing, Dan, is in four games, no rushing touchdowns. Come on now. Come on. Let's 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 not only get the running game going, let's rush in the red zone for a touchdown. How about in a goal-to-go situation, you run it in for a touchdown? That's that's ridiculous. I mean, you're tracking for four rushing. No, you're not. You're tracking for none. But, I mean, in four games, the first quarter of the season's over, you have no rushing touchdowns. Got to get that you Got to get that rectified, get that on the board. What do you expect to see from the O-line this week in terms of who will play where? Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. I mean, to me, like we were talking about, is if Trey Hopkins practices all week and shows that he's back to form, you shouldn't lose your starting job because of injury. And he won it. Especially he won the, when the guy that takes over isn't shining. Right. And he's nicked up. You know, he's got a, his neck's bothering him. He's practicing, but, you know, he's, he's, he's got a ding. So, you know, will that happen? Will Andre Smith snar- start? I would think so. He started the last game. They won 31-7. to I would start Andre Smith. Left or right tackle? <sighs> Honestly, I'd probably start him at right. I mean, I, I'd give... You know, I, I, Jake's in my mind is it, at least equally struggling to Cedric Obwehi, so I'd, I'd I'd put him where I feel like the best football player is that, that you're going up against. You know, I'd say Jerry all right, Hughes. yeah. So so Hughes is is the right defensive end. I'd probably start him at, at left uh, left tackle against Unless that right Shaq defensive Lawson's end. Lawson's back. Yeah, if if Shaq's back, you know, but I don't know how bad the injury is. Um, yeah, it's. I'd start him though. I, you know, I'd, I'd definitely start, him. and he'd play the most snaps of those three guys. He showed me in that uh, not only in the Green Bay game, but last week up in Cleveland. The thing that I was really impressed with at right tackle and the touchdown pass to AJ Green. He's calling his tight end Tyler Croft in. Remember when he's directing traffic and he's pointing? I got him, so you got him, Tyler, and then Giovanni picked up the blitz. I mean, that was all orchestrated by the traffic cop of Andre Smith. That's all good stuff. You played both sides. How hard is it? Left side is much tougher to pass. But, but how hard is it to go back and forth, to be in the different stands, to have the j- different hand that's going to 
you know, punch the guy. How tough is it? Yeah, like Yogi Berra said, not everybody's amphibious. I mean, ambidextrous. <laughs> so, you know, if you if you feel comfortable getting in that left-handed stance and opening up, it's just it, it is just a comfort. It's like not everybody can switch hit. You know, I I I had didn't have a real big issue getting in the left-handed stance and opening up to my left. And honestly, I think basketball helped me because you had to use both hands. You had to open up and play defense both ways. And movement like that on a basketball court, I think, helped me. And I felt comfortable, you know, moving either way. Um, but, I mean, Doug Deacon played 14 years of tackle up in Cleveland at left tackle in a right-hand stance and would just kick jump, you know, kick step, just shuffle his feet and get into that stance out of a right-handed stance. And it, that's a hell of a thing to do. And um, so I, I just I just think, obviously, you're going to face better pass rushers at left tackle usually better run defenders at the at the you know playing right tackle against the left defensive end but today's football is changing so much it's it's not cast in stone like it was before you know far from it i mean everybody everybody everywhere you know there's and there's so many sub packages dan you know you're you're talking about okay i'm worried about to play him against this guy for maybe 10 snaps a game when they're in base everybody's in sub packages 75 80% of the game you know, now it's such a throwing game, throwing league that, you know, you put him where you feel like, okay, if he's the guy that, that can handle the bull rush best, which rush guy uses the bull rush more in his arsenal? That's who I want Andre against, you know, and let the athletes work against the speed guys more. You know, almost game plan in that way, a matchup, almost like, you know, an offensive coordinator is trying to get matchups in his favor with backs on uh, linebackers in the passing game. How about just remembering your, your assignment? Going from left to right. Is that tricky? You know, it's funny you ask that one. When I, I played all five positions in the same game, a couple of games, and that was my biggest thing, breaking the huddle saying, all right, now I'm at left guard, so invert everything. You know, you're, you're not the puller this time. You know, the on this play, the right guard pulls right to left. You know, you better not go left to right, or there'll be a collision in the backfield and everybody in the Hall of Shame instead of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so you better keep you better keep all those things pretty straight. So, yeah, there, there's a little bit of that. A little bit of that. Some guys might have trouble with it. You know, their left brain instead of right brain or whatever. Um, I'm, I, I remember a defensive tackle who remained nameless uh, that they tried to convert to offensive linemen in our uh, in early in training camp one year. Could not remember even numbers to the right, odd numbers to the left. So, you know, not everybody's five beta kappa. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a timeout. Coming up next, you see him every week on CBS and Showtime. We will talk to him next. Phil Sims is our guest. When we continue, this is the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light here on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. This is Bengals Game Plan on the Bengals Radio Network. Brought to you by Bud Light, famous among friends. This is the Bengals Radio Network. Dan Horton, Dave Lapham back on the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light. We are live inside the Envision Cinemas broadcast studio here on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. This Sunday, it's the Bengals and Buffalo Bills, 1 o'clock at Paul Brown Stadium. Time to welcome in our next guest. You see him every week on the NFL Today on CBS. He is a former quarterback. He has blonde hair. Yes. And he won a Super Bowl ring, so unfortunately that means we can eliminate our friend Boomer Esaias, and he is... He gets all the girls. <laughs> he is <laughs> Phil Sims. Dan Horton, Dave Lapham with you, Phil. Welcome back to the Bengals Game Plan Show. Always great to have you on. 
Dan and Dave, good to be on. Uh, yeah, nice little slap at Boomer. There's nothing like <laughs> slapping at Boomer. We all love to do it. But uh, good stuff. Good to talk to you guys. And um, I, I don't know if it's going to be a sellout game or not down there in Cincinnati this week. Uh, but I'll tell you what, there's a good football team coming in to play the Bengals, and that's the Buffalo Bills. It's it's no mirage, that record of 3-1. and one. They are real. And... I watched them today, and they're tough. You better, as the old saying goes, you better put the big boy pants on because <laughs> they make it dirty, dirty in a good way, and they make it tough, and that's why they're three and one. Yeah, I'll tell you, they, they are buying what Sean McDermott is selling, aren't they? I mean, that defense, Phil, it, it, they don't do a whole lot of exotic things, but their communication must be extraordinary because they all seem to be in the right place all the time. I think that's uh, we shouldn't be surprised after the way he handled everything during the off season, and uh, you know trading players on offense and defense. You know, I thought they had a really good pair of corners and Ronald Darby and and Stephon Gilmore. Boom, out the door, both of them. They go and they bring in two guys, Tre'Davious White. They draft and they get EJ Gaines in a, in a trade from the Rams, and they're playing tremendous. Micah Hyde, a free agent from Green Bay, who I always liked. So they're all communicating well, and they're doing it up front, guys, with, you know, I don't know, the cast of Mid-Fist, Misfit Toys. <laughs> it's, it's not like they've got great names up there, but they are solid. They use their hands great, you know, to, to, to hold the linemen up. And it, it's just it's interesting to watch. And it's well, you said it. Very well orchestrated. I, I really have enjoyed watching them the last couple of weeks and just judging their players. Phil Sims is our guest. Let's talk about Tyrod Taylor for a moment because his career passer rating is over 93. He has a winning record as the Bills quarterback. He runs for more than 500 yards every year. Yep. He's been to a Pro Bowl. That seems like a pretty good resume to me, but nobody ever seems to talk about Tyrod Taylor as being a good NFL quarterback. Except me. I'm I'm on the bandwagon. I've been on it since he's been up there. Mm -hmm. It annoys me to death. You know, he wasn't a high draft pick. You know, he didn't. He wasn't in the Heisman run and all this other stuff that we judge these guys on, and we just have a hard time accepting somebody that's not, you know, the so-called franchise guy that we anointed and did all these things for. But this is his third year, and I'm not going to say I've watched every game. But I've watched just about every game, and he does what he's supposed to do and a little more. You know, he's not in an offense that's going to make him a star in the eyes of the public. They like to run it. They're tough. they got a good run-blocking offensive line. And the offense works because of their toughness or run-blocking. LaShawn McCoy, have you guys watched him? Oh, boy. Does he know there's a thing called age? You're supposed to kind of slow down and not be so slippery when you get up. But he is tremendous. Yep. But they do it with the run. LaShawn McCoy making plays. And then Tyrod Taylor, very careful with the ball, but makes many plays with his legs. And when he does that, he does it also with his arm on the move, too. So they're a sneaky offense. And Tyrod Taylor gets absolutely no respect. It drives me crazy because I do really like him a lot as an NFL quarterback. You know, you hear things uh, when people are criticizing Tyrod Taylor. Uh, he can't see the middle of the field. Oh, he leaves the pocket early. Oh, uh, he does this, he does that. I'm in agreement with you guys. I, I think Tyrod Taylor, bottom line, wins 
wins football games. He won football games at the collegiate level. He won football games. You know, the Bengals understand him pretty well. They've seen him when he was in Baltimore, you know, and how he's developed and progressed over the years. And I'll tell you, they have a healthy, healthy dose of respect for Tyrod Taylor and the way he can throw the football. And, and like you said, Phil, be a dual threat. I mean, it, that, that poses a lot of problems. I mean, you know, sometimes the plays he creates are better than the plays that were called. Well, yes. Listen, they're committed to the run. Rick Dennison wanted Tyrod Taylor when he was a free agent to come to Denver when he was out there in Denver. But he decided, no, he wanted to go to Buffalo, try to be a starter. He got it done. My son was up there in Buffalo in training camp with him. And, you know, we always talk quarterbacks. I said, what about He goes, hey, listen, Dad, you know, Tyrod's a great guy. And, you know, he's, you know, he's really good. I just... You know, I feel bad for him because people don't realize this. And I just thought, wow, that's interesting. Because, you know, quarterbacks, they all hate the other quarterback. Right. And, and uh, so that kind of got my eyes. And it, I went, okay. And so I paid attention. And, look, here's their offense. They run the ball. They do it well. Uh, LaShawn McCoy makes plays that are not there. Mike Tolbert, my gosh, he's another one. He comes in. <laughs> if you tackle him at the line of scrimmage, it's going to be second and six <laughs> because he's falling forward. Right. But they're sneaky in their pass attack because they're always looking for ways to get it down the field. They're a big double-move team. They're looking for, I don't want to say gadgets, but ways to sneak people deep. They run the ball. They're looking for big plays in the pass game. And Tyrod Taylor and LaShawn McCoy give it that, whatever you want to say, the cherry on top that makes it, you know, a pretty tough defense, I mean, pretty tough offense to, to defend. I will say this this week about the Bengals. Your corners, the corners down there need to be great because I think they're going to have to go up there and really play run defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're the old – I never said it once as an announcer. Eight men in the box. I just said, hey, crowd the line of scrimmage because I think you need to. If you don't, then they're going to control the tempo of the game. As I say, dirty it up, cut down your, your possessions, and there's just no rhythm to the game. And that's the way they love it, and that's, that's why it's working for them so far. Phil Sims is our guest. Let's turn to the Bengals. How surprised are you by a 1-3 and three start? Well, of course I'm surprised. Um, you know, it's not that they're one and three. Maybe it's how it happened mm-hmm. and, and all that. Mm-hmm. So I think the big one was just losing the game to the Houston Texans. When, you know, I went back, I watched it on TV that night, and I went, gosh almighty. And then I went back and looked at it, and I go, the Bengals had about 15 chances to win that game, yep. and they just refused to do it. Yep. So that that's, you know, that's kind of, it could end up being the difference in their season. But I will say the last two weeks, watching them, there seems to be, you know, there just seems to be a little more life, energy. Andy Dalton looks almost relieved. And they had Green Bay on the ropes. And when you're playing Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, especially those three, when you get them down, you got to go. Never, never let up and never play like, well, we'll kick the field goal here because they make them drive for a touchdown. You give any of those quarterbacks four downs, I'm telling you, it's going in the end zone. And uh, I thought they played a little safe once they had the lead. They gave Aaron Rodgers a chance, and you saw what happened. Phil, um, you were 
obviously an incredible quarterback. And by the way, the studio show is going to win an Emmy with you on the set. I just got to tell you that right now. I mean, you, well, you, I don't know about that, but we're going to loosen that thing up, Big Dave. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we're going to start. To, you know, I'm, I got a lot to say, and I want to get it out. I hear so you. I, it's good. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. You're doing a hell of a job. I'll, I'll tell you this. It's a long day. I hear wow. that. Wow. And, and, you know, that first week I did it, I was like, oh, my gosh, I am truly out on my feet. I was so tired. <laughs> it's it's about a 13-hour day, Oof. and you don't get to quite watch the games the way you want because there's so much other stuff going on that we have to do. Right. So that kind of disappoints me. And I'm literally watching games all day today to catch up because what I couldn't see on Sunday. Uh, so that's interesting, but, it's, but it is fun, and uh, it's great for me to really follow the league instead of just two teams that I'm getting ready for that weekend. So my question about quarterback play, which you were extraordinary, uh, your, your Super Bowl uh, well, not, MVP. Well, not in the eyes of Bill Parcells. You know, so, <laughs> well, nobody ahead. was extraordinary in the eyes of Bill Parcells. But, yes. Um, Andy Dalton, the first two weeks, had a quarterback rating of maybe 40. The last two weeks, quarterback rating of 120 and then 140s. Now he's got a quarterback rating of 90.6, which is kind of where he is. But you go from the, the outhouse to the penthouse, you know, outhouse for, for two weeks, penthouse for two weeks. How, how do quarterbacks do that? I mean, how do you guys – everybody talks about a corner has to have amnesia and forget about a play. How, how do quarterbacks compartmentalize and move on? This is only the second time in Andy Dalton's sports career, youth sports, high school, college pro, where he lost three games in a row. And then he wow. – all sports, baseball, basketball, football. He never lost three in a row until last year they lost three in a row, and they lose three in a row to start this season. The only time it's ever happened to him. how do quarterbacks – you know, put it away and move on. Man, that, that, that's a really good question. I, I, it does take resolve, and it's it's just like you, you, it's you against the world. You got to shut it out. And you know, I got in situations like Andy's in a couple times in my career, and I remember one day after practice, a couple times, just going, "Okay, if I'm going down, by God, I'm going down my way." Right. And and that, that's really what I thought. And I I just took it to the practice field and. Turn, you know, practice became better, and, you know, our performance on the field changed too. And, you know, I'm not saying he was playing careful. Um, you know, the Houston game, he made some throws, but, you know, there's a few things. One, I'm bothered by the fact that some of the quarterbacks did very little action in the preseason. I think they get so little work. If Andy Dalton is going to play one quarter in the first preseason game, then give him ten throws right. because it's so important. And you know, they, it, to me, it seems like a lot of guys got off to a slow start because they, you know, there's no feeling they, they, they haven't been in the action enough, and everybody's so worried about not being getting the quarterback beat. You can get the quarterback throws without getting him hit in preseason, mm-hmm. but the last two. You know, maybe it is the change. I do see a little bit of different play calling. Play calling is so important to the quarterback. And the other big thing is, is you got to give the quarterback some friendly throws. In other words, you know, there's got to Tom Brady is going to complete 15 passes against you no matter what every game because Josh McDaniels is going to get the first guy open. Right, Tom. We're going to put this formation out there. We're going to do this. They're going to do this. And I'm telling you, Tom. Rob Gronkowski is going to be open over here in the flat. He's going to catch it, break a tackle, and get 15, and you'll be okay. Right. And they do that. And that's what an offensive coordinator has to do. And I, I really mean this. When I watched his last two games, I saw some energy. 
and, and, you know, I even saw more pep on the football. He threw with conviction. And uh, I did not see that in the first two, especially in the Houston game. I thought he was a little understandable. Four interceptions, or was it four in the first game? Yes, against Baltimore. Well, against Baltimore. That would tighten me up too, brother, I'm telling you. You know, because now everybody, you you got to play a game where your number one goal is not to lose the game. And that's a terrible way to have to do it as a quarterback. But all quarterbacks get in that situation. He survived it. And these last two, he truly physically looks like a different guy. Phil, did you notice a difference in, in tempo and in, in him getting out of the ball out of his hand quicker? I mean, he, yeah. he completed 16 in a row in this last win up in Cleveland, 16 in a row, and it was like, it was like you know, slants, uh, quick quick throws, you know, uh, the, the screen package, the quick passing game was was big. And like you said, get my quarterback's feet on the ground, get him confident and all that. And I, I'll tell you, I, Bill Lazor, I thought, has done a hell of a job as the offensive coordinator. You say you've noticed a difference from the first two games to the last two with the change of coordinator? Absolutely. I, I see it. I can see it in the tempo of the game, like you said. I mean, Andy Dalton, even when he ran, he ran with more. I was like, wow, he even looks faster. <laughs> I mean, it's it's amazing. Right. And, and, and I'm serious. That's the, one of the first things I thought, God, he looks faster today. As I was watching the, especially hmm. when I was watching the uh, Green Bay game, I was like, man, he looks different. And, and I, it's amazing. So that means a lot of things were weighing on everybody's mind. That's a tough thing to overcome, having a coach fired. But maybe it freed him up a little. It looks like to him, you know, look, he's been a solid NFL quarterback. And, you know, now that he's got this thing straightened out a little, now the hard part comes. Can you drive it forward? And like I said, you, as a QB, you've got to believe and you've got to see it and you've got to let it go. And that's the guys that have success, big-time success in the NFL. And, you know, he's capable of that. You know, put your feet in the ground, believe it, and really let it go. And um, so, but going this week, it's going to be a tough week. Because the one big thing going for the Bengals in this game, Dan and Dave, is Buffalo has just gone through two wars with the Denver Broncos and the Atlanta Falcons. Right. And I think we all know that you know there there's always got to be a let up. You can't grind out 16 games in the NFL. And here they are on the road for the second week. And last week that was a knockdown drag out down there in Atlanta. Yeah. And Buffalo out hit the Atlanta Falcons, and that's why they won. To think you're going to do that every single week in the league is tough. So this is to me that's the emotional and physical advantage that the the Bengals have going over Buffalo in this week's game. Great point. That's why you are who you are. That's why you're on the CBS studio show. That's why well, you're going to yeah, win an Emmy. I don't know about that, but, you know, it's, hey, look, I love watching and following the game. And, and, you know, I've been in so many discussions this week with other people, like even our producer. You know, well, Mitchell Trubisky, you know, he has so much little to go on. And I go, who cares? I don't care what you had to go on. I saw him play in North Carolina. I saw plenty. I saw the most polished quarterback in college football for the pros. I see a big guy who can take hits. I see a guy when he needs to can rear back and rifle it in between people. I see a guy that can move. What else do we need to know? I need to know the season in North Carolina to verify everything that I've already saw. So, you know, that's a... As you can see, that's one of my pet peeves. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of like this young blonde quarterback that was at Moorhead State. Hey, I've told you this before. Neil Lomax had the greatest line of all from Portland State. 
They were surprised when he came to the NFL, the St. Louis Cardinals. This day. He goes, look, if you could throw the fastball in the minors, you could throw it in the majors. So I, I think we're finding that out about a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. Bingo. Phil, fantastic stuff as always. You're always very gracious to come on this show and we uh, reach out a few times a year, so we really appreciate your time and look forward to watching on Sunday. All right, well, thanks. I look forward to watching the game. You guys, I know you do a great job, and, you know, the, Big Dave is the man. That's all I can say. Hey, all I can you say know? is love you, man. I love you, too. You, you're the best. You're a great help. We talk. You've, you've clued me in. I'm giving Coach Cowell all the notes that you and I talked about in the preseason. <laughs> He's going, really? Who is that 58? And I give him the run. Who's 75? I said, oh, yeah, let me tell you about 75 here, Bill. And then, so it's been fun. And, Dave, you know, I appreciate our friendship. And I uh, look forward to talking to you guys again, Dan. Outstanding. Thanks, Phil. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. All right, that is the great Phil Sims. We're going to take a timeout. Uh, coming up next, Andre Smith has gone from sitting the bench to playing both tackle spots. We'll talk to him next. This is the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. Tomorrow is Touchdown Thursday at Papa John's. All fans can receive 50% off regular menu price at papajohns.com by using the promo code BENGALS50 all day. That's tomorrow at participating locations. Papa John's will donate a portion of the proceeds to Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Papa John's is the official pizza of the Cincinnati Bengals. We're back on the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light. We are live inside the Envision Cinemas broadcast studio here on the First Star Logistics Bengals radio network. According to the website profootballfocus.com, there have been 68 offensive tackles that have played enough snaps to be graded so far this year by our system. Cedric Obwehi checks in at number 57 out of 68. Mm. Jake Fisher, 62 Mm. out of 68. Mm. Andrew Whitworth, for what it's worth, number 7 out of 68. (laughs) Andre Smith does not have enough snaps yet to qualify, but if he did, based on his grade, he would be number 38. Basically middle of the pack. Mm -hmm. I spoke to Andre Smith in the locker room earlier today. We're in the locker room with Bengals offensive lineman Andre Smith. It is unusual this day and age in the NFL to go back and forth from left tackle to right tackle. Are you enjoying it? I'm actually having a really good time doing it. You know, it's just an opportunity to go out there and learn a new position. You know, this being my first time playing left tackle. Just having an opportunity to compete against some really good pass rushers and put it on film has been really fun. It's not as easy as some people might think. Even something as simple as your stance or what hand you hit with. I mean, it is tricky to to go back and forth, isn't it? It is at times, but, you know, you have to flip things in your mind, you know, and um, just remember that you're on the left side this time and it's supposed to be on the right side or vice versa. So just constantly stay aware of that and um, just go out there and play football. Do you have to study extra tape to prepare for the pass rushers you're going to face? Usually... Hazards play both sides of the ball, so um, they rush on one side, and then they'll go rush on the opposite side of the offensive line. So usually I can watch one guy and follow him along the, the time and pick up on what he likes to do. We're visiting with Andre Smith. Back to training camp, we thought you might play guard this year. What happened to that experiment? <laughs> I guess I didn't come along fast enough. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just an opportunity to be with the Bengals, just great organization, um, great fans. Great teammates, um, great coach. It's just an opportunity, and I'm happy to be back. Changed coordinators a couple of weeks ago. In the first game against Green Bay, you guys scored 17 on offense. Last week against Cleveland, 31. Do you feel like things are really picking up offensively? I think um, our office coordinator does a great job in putting us in great schemes, great opportunities to make plays. Uh, Andy's doing a great job leading us on the field on Sunday and 
getting the ball to our playmakers so that we can go out there and make plays. You had an even mix last week of passes and runs. Yards per carry wasn't great in the running game. Is that the, the next thing that, that needs to improve? We're just going to um, continue to you know, look at the film. We evaluated ourselves on Monday, saw what we did well, saw what we didn't do really well, and just execute because we had opportunities. It's just for up to us to go out there and execute. We're visiting with Andre Smith. Buffalo has the number one scoring defense in the NFL. They haven't given up more than 17 in a game yet. What stands out about the Bills? Uh, they're fast. They play they're extremely fast. They play extremely hard, and they're some very, very tough individuals, and they have some good rushers and um that's very good de- interior defensive line. Their front seven is outstanding. So uh, just to go against those guys is going to be a great task, and we're looking forward to it. Kyle Williams, Marcel Darius, Jerry Hughes, Lorenzo Alexander, all of these guys uh, have a pedigree. Right. Um, all these guys are, you know, they're, they're names that you know. There's not a guy that you don't know. And um, just go out there and compete against those guys. It's going to be a tremendous task for us, but I know we're up for it. Best of luck this week. Thank you. Appreciate it. Lap, thank heavens they signed Andre Smith. No question, Dan. You know, and uh, you know, I was I was a little surprised. I th- I thought that I know I know they when they announced the signing, basically they announced that he was signed to be the swing tackle, like a backup tackle. But they were hopeful that he may get in the guard run in, in the mix there inside, and it didn't it didn't pan out for whatever reason. Um, whether he didn't want to do it, or um, you know, it wasn't working, or whatever the case may be. But it's a good thing they do have them. What if they did not have, and I'm not trying to besmirch anybody's abilities, but if it's Eric Winston instead of Andre Smith, how did, they really couldn't go to Eric Winston and, and play. The, he, he, wouldn't, he would not be capable of playing the number of snaps that Andre Smith might be playing as a result of this rotation that they've gone to, and maybe more for Andre Smith. So the fact that they have him, that was a very, very good premium to play for a good insurance policy. I mean, that was that was a good investment. Pay the premium and see if the, you need the policy. And so far, they've needed the policy, and the policy may prove to be very valuable as the season wears on here. All right, we're going to take a timeout. But first, a quick reminder to visit Bengals.com slash TriHealth throughout the season for the weekly edition of Living Better with TriHealth. This week, we'll learn about the Real Men Wear Pink initiative. Coming up, when the Bengals get into the red zone, it's good to have Tyler at tight end to throw to. You know I mean Tyler Croft, right? This is the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light. We are live inside the Envision Cinemas broadcast studio here on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. Envision Cinemas Bar and Grill is reimagining the movie theater experience with their motorized recliners and in-seat dining service at the touch of a button. View the latest Hollywood blockbusters or check out one of their lunch specials any day of the week. Envision Cinemas Bar and Grill at the corner of Kenwood and Cornell in Blue Ash. This is the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light, and we are in the Envision Cinemas broadcast studio here on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. Unfortunately, Tyler Eifert did not practice again today. No indications on when he will be back from his back injury, but fortunately the Bengals didn't miss him in Cleveland as the other tight end named Tyler, Tyler Croft, had his best game in the NFL. He was targeted seven times. He had six catches for 68 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Obviously, it's next man up, and you got to embrace the opportunity. But like you said, you never want anyone going down, or you don't want to get the job that way, having someone get hurt. But I don't know, when the opportunity presents itself, you got to be able to take it. 
Tyler Eifert's one of the best tight ends when healthy in the NFL. But Tyler Croft is no slouch. He was a third-round draft pick. The Bengals loved him coming out of Rutgers. He had a good rookie year. He was injured for part of last year and maybe kind of fell off the radar a little bit. But we saw last week what he's capable of doing. You're right, Dan. I mean, they, they had him evaluated as the most complete all-around tight end in the draft his year. Um, he had played two different styles of offenses at Rutgers. He was basically a detached tight end receiver early, and then Shiano comes in and says, you're going to be an end of the line of scrimmage, true tight end where you're the third tackle in the running game, and you're a wide receiver force in the passing game. And he was asked to block guys like Joey Bosa in the Big Ten when they played Ohio State, and he, and he acquitted himself well. So, you know, they're like, this guy can play the position. And you're right. Now that, you know, hopefully he's – going to avoid the injury bugaboo. He's had nicks and bumps compared to Tyler Eifert, who's had disc operations and things like that, you know, ankle destruction where he had to have some reconstruction, you know, in the ankle. And um, But, yeah, it's, it, it's, it is truly remarkable. You look at the tight end position, Tyler Eifert and Ryan Hewitt, the starting tight end, the starting, quote, H-back on the offense, neither one on the practice field or the rehab field. They're not even on the rehab field to start the process back. So now you're looking at Tyler Croft, Seaton Carter, C.J. Uzama. Those are the three guys. And like we talked about earlier, Seaton Carter is the only one that doesn't have anything that's, uh, that's, that's not bothering physically. Tyler Croft, neck and knee, but soreness more than anything. C.J. Uzama with the knee. He had the ankle injury. You know, now his knee's bothering him, so... The tight end position, we talked about it, Dan. Marvin mentioned, you know, you have tight ends, 250, 60, 70 pounds. When they catch the ball and hit the ground, I mean, the first hit is a big one because of their body, but then going to the ground from, from the, the height they are down to the with the size, big bodies hitting the ground. It's, it's tough, man. It's not like a 195-pound to 205-pound receiver, you know, lightly hitting the ground. It's a big tree falling, man. And that impact is, is severe, that second impact. So these guys are getting beaten up because they're on artificial turf fields, very few are grass fields. And even if it is a grass field, that's, a, that's timber. That's a long way down. I maintain the tight end, it's the position where you are least equipped to protect yourself. Yep. You're big. You're generally tall. You're in the middle of the field. Yep. You're getting hit from all sides. You can't get out of bounds. You know, you don't want to go down. You're trying to fight for as many yards as you can. I think that that position on offense is most susceptible to being injured. I agree. And by nature, the bigger guys, the fans are like, run him over. Come on, man. You know, get, run, lower your shoulder and run him over. And it, like you said, it is in the middle of the football field. And honestly, as we're speaking about the middle of the football field, Tyrod Taylor, I do believe that if you can keep him in the pocket and funnel everything to the middle of the football field – don't let him get out on the perimeter and throw to the outside. He can't see the field. If you can contain him and make him guess where people are in the middle of the field, I think you have a great chance of making plays. I will say this, though, Lap, too. You know, Buffalo has a great defense. There's no question about it. And they've got some offensive weapons. I think Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor's a good player. LaShawn McCoy is fantastic. Charles Clay, underrated tight end. Yep. But it's not a good offense. They got a defensive touchdown that maybe was a bad call last week against Atlanta. They scored three points against Carolina. As good as their defense is, it's not a great offensive team. The best thing they're doing 
is not putting their defense in jeopardy. Right. You know, the defense is saying, look, give me 17 points and I'll win the game. They haven't given up more than 17 all season long. They're saying, score a couple of touchdowns, you know, maybe a field goal. Just don't turn the ball over. Don't put us in bad spots and we'll win. And that's what they're doing. And special teams are helping dictate positive field position as well. They have a kicker with a howitzer hanging off his right hip. Hauschka. Hauschka. House money. House money, howitzer. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a quick reminder to stock up on your favorite products by the makers of Pepsi at your local retailer. Grab a Pepsi and some friends and get in the game. Pepsi is the official soft drink of the Cincinnati Bengals. Coming up, the Falcons had scored at least 28 in 10 straight home games until Buffalo came to town and held Atlanta to 17 last week. More on that great Bills defense when we continue. This is the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light. Live from the Envision Cinemas broadcast studio here on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. Ladies, the Bengals have a club just for you. Show your Bengals spirit by joining Who Day Ladies, presented by Kotex, Cottonelle, and Kleenex. We're back on the Bengals Game Plan Show, presented by Bud Light, live inside the Envision Cinemas broadcast studio here on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network. The last lap coming up in about eight minutes. How good is Buffalo's defense right now? Well, this should put it in perspective. Last week in Atlanta, game came down to the final possession. The Bills needed to get a stop on fourth and one in the red zone, and they got it against that great Atlanta offense mm-hmm. despite having 10 men on the field. How about that? You know you're good How about when that? you stop Matt Ryan and company with 10 men on the field on fourth and one. Here is Bengals offensive lineman Jake Fisher on the Buffalo defense. They're simple in their approach, but that allows them to play really fast. It allows them to put guys on, on certain guys as far as how they match up. Um, their rushes are, are pretty sound outside. Obviously, Hughes is pretty good. Um, up front, they're strong, they're stout. Their backers get, get to the ball quick, so it's just a matter of getting the job done when you can. You know their defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, well from his time here in Cincinnati at the beginning of Marvin Lewis's tenure. Simple and fast. Is that a good description of what Leslie Frazier tries to do? I think so. You know, Leslie Frazier, of course, played for the great Buddy Ryan with that 4-6 bear defense. So knowing what you're supposed to do, being physical, doing it, and being fast, that's that's a, that's a stamp and a trademark that sounds very familiar Um Leslie Frazier wants to minimize mistakes and uh, let his players be free of mind, not be uncluttered mentally, and just react and, and get after the football. And they are doing a marvelous job of it. You know, with respect to Tyrod Taylor, who we've been talking about a lot, and Dan, you've seen this a lot in college football. I did a lot of college football where you have a mobile quarterback like that, and defenses would employ a spy. And, you know, to me, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. And not all the time, but. When you do employ a spy, he's got to be able to get the guy on the ground. If you're going to take a guy out of coverage to be a spy and weaken yourself back there, when he has a chance to make a play, he better damn well make the play because now you're weakened you know, by bringing a guy out of coverage to do that because to get a guy like Tyrod Taylor on the ground, you have to have maybe Nick Vigil, an athletic linebacker like that, might be able to spy him some, but normally you have to go more with a safety type you know, like a Fedulum or a, you know, Williams or somebody like that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Bengals employ any kind of a spy. And uh, I honestly thought that they might do a little bit more spy on Watson. You know, being a, a rookie quarterback, college football, the way he could move around and run, I thought I'd see a little bit more. I wish there was a spy on him in that <laughs> 49-yard touchdown. On one play, I wish oh, they had Oh, my one. God. No question. One uh, asterisk of, of sorts 
for Buffalo's performance last week. And this is a tiny asterisk, a very small asterisk. But Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu did not play in the second right. half in that game. Atlanta did have the lead at halftime. So, again, you hold Atlanta to 17 in Atlanta. That's a heck of a job. But it gets a little bit easier when Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu are not on the field. No doubt. Me and Julio down by the schoolyard. No Julio. <laughs> so they took him out to the woodshed back in the schoolyard without those two. There's, I agree with you. I, I do think you, you do have to uh, factor that in. But still, um, I mean – Tough to diminish the performance. That 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 type of win on the road, it, it, to me, it's interesting, Dan. I do agree with what Phil's saying. Physically, those two games in a row, Denver and Atlanta, you're playing a high level of football. It's physically taxing. But mentally, to go up there and beat that team on the road, you feel like you can play with anybody. So it's going to be, you know, does your mind, some, your, your body can do amazing things when your mind lets it. So will their minds allow will the you know their bodies do amazing things this week or will their bodies say man I'm just so drained from the grind you know heck with you mind I know I know I know my my head's saying do it my body's saying I can't we'll see we got the last lap coming up in a few minutes but uh, quick change of subject to something that you mentioned this week so then I went and looked at it Will Jackson would have had his second pick six in as many games, the pass that Michael Johnson batted down last week against Cleveland. I have never seen a cornerback more in position than to jump a route and take it to the house than Will Jackson. I mean, the recognition of the route was extraordinary. And, I mean, he is he's literally still almost going for the ball even when it's deflected. Uh, But, you know, the thing is when you can make a play, all you can do is see in front of you and make the plays in front of you. So Michael, if Michael had separated his hands and let it go through, it would have been a pick. He would have been another making another house call. It would have been back to back pick sixes in consecutive games, which is a good sign. Now to Will Jackson have problems on other snaps? Hell yeah. You know, special teams and defensively good. He bit on the double move big time. And he better beware because as Phil um Sims just told us the Buffalo Bills run a lot of double moves. We saw double moves from Clay against Atlanta. He had two long catches. You know, they 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 waggled. They they took Tyrod Taylor out of pocket to the left. There's going to be a throwback on a double move. Tight end goes across the formation, does a double move up the sideline. Tyrod Taylor has to buy time because of pressure and still is able to get the ball up the field on the double move. And that was like over 40 yards. So you're going to have to you're going to really have to uh, stay focused and you know. Plaster your receivers. Don't take your eyes off your receivers because of Tyrod Taylor, or he'll burn you. He'll burn you. You know, you have to, if you're on that back end and you're back down the field a little ways, you have to have faith that the people in front of you will make a play on Tyrod Taylor. Do not drop your coverage. One last Will Jackson nugget before we take a timeout. The NFL has these high-tech next-gen stats now Mm -hmm. where they measure everything and they've got miles per hour and all of that. The fastest that anybody has run with the football this year in the NFL was Will Jackson on his pick six. Really? More than 21 miles an hour. It's faster than any running back or wide receiver with the ball in his hands this year. How about that? Pretty Tw- interesting, right? 21 miles an hour. Over 21 miles an hour. Man, I mean, you know, I, I've been in a few speed zones, 15 <laughs> miles an hour. He'd be speeding. That, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It really is. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Coming up. This week's edition of The Last Lap with a distinct buffalo flavor, almost like chicken wings at the Anchor Bar. Oh, baby. This is the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light. We're live inside the Envision Cinemas broadcast studio here on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network.
The Cincinnati Children's Bengals Kids Club, presented by IHOP and College Advantage, is back for another season. Make sure your young Bengals fan is part of the club by visiting bengals.com backslash kids club. We're back on the Bengals Game Plan Show, presented by Bud Light, inside the Envision Cinemas broadcast studio. It's time for the last lap as we go through... (laughs) 42 years in the NFL as a player or broadcaster with Dave Lapham. The opponent this week is the Buffalo Bills. We have picked out six either Buffalo players or coaches that you either played against or saw from the broadcast booth. We're going to look at these guys in chronological order, beginning with a guy who is uh, out of jail and golfing yes, again, O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson, he was remarkable, Dan. Olympic speed, Olympic caliber speed, world-class speed, but he wasn't just a fast guy. He was a football player that had world-class speed. I mean, he was a dynamic running back. And, you know, the game that obviously comes to mind, we've talked about it many times on this show, is the Monday night game where he had over 190 yards rushing and I think 12 carries. It was ridiculous. And then Kenny Anderson countered that with 447 yards in the air and we win a shootout. You know, we were better in the air than they were on the ground. That's what it boiled down to. But he made some cuts and showed speed that was just – And he was bigger than you think. I mean, he was he had a big old head, man. He had a big old helmet. King Cranium. He would he would lead on linebackers and bring that helmet. And I mean, LaShawn McCoy is dynamic in space. OJ was like that in space, but bigger. And he was he was special. My childhood hero, OJ Simpson. What was it like to block Fred (laughs) Smarless? It was like looking at Fred Flintstone. I mean, he literally reminded me of Fred Flintstone. I almost wanted to do the yabba dabba do, but he, that guy was brutally strong. I've got a younger brother, Roger, who was in the Buffalo Bills training camp, and uh, Fred Smurlis got on the dip bar where you just dip your body to your shoulders, your armpits, and you just do as many repetitions as you can. And uh, my brother got up and he said struggle with his 20 or 25 or whatever, and Fred Smurlis jumps up there and uh, – and the coach, in Fred's opinion, miscounted. And he's at about like 40, and the coach goes 41, and Fred jumps down. And he goes, Coach, what the hell? Now it had to be at least 44. Come on, Fred, come on. He gets back up there does 52 more. After bro- just doing 40. After just doing over 300 pounds. Right. Wow. My, my brother said this guy was like the strongest human being he'd ever seen, and he was having trouble with some of the outside linebackers, giving him grief, Villapiano and uh, Isaiah Robertson and those guys. And so he made friends with Fred Smurlis being a Boston guy, and Fred Smurlis protected him. He said, man, that guy, you want him on your side, no question. How about a great player who is currently on the Bengals coaching staff, Jim Haslett? Talking about Fred Smurlis, Jim Haslett, they were like, uh, you know, Ike and Mike. They were two-thirds of the Bermuda Triangle. Remember the Bermuda Triangle in that 3-4 defense? And uh, I remember it well, too. We, we played them in 1981. Fred, uh, Jimmy Haslett was defensive rookie of the year in 1979. Great football player. Went from uh, as a defensive end in college, smaller school, to linebacker position. And, man, he would – now, Jim was tough, man. Jim would just soon spit right in your face, you know, then look at you. He was very physical and just a very, very smart football player. He he was the orchestra, the, the conductor of the orchestra. He, he led the whole group back there. Equally effective uh, against the pass. I mean, played multiple Pro Bowls. Jim Hassel was the real deal, no question. Let's fast forward to the class of 85, a guy that will be in the broadcast booth on TV this weekend, Steve Tasker. Steve Tasker, in many people's opinion, including mine, should be a special team Hall of Famer. You know, they've got kickers and punters in there, but they don't have a special teamer as such. 
that pretty much made his mark on the NFL in that regard. He, he was a, a adequate wide receiver, made a lot of plays in the passing game, you know, when they went multiple wides, but he was impossible to block on special teams. Just doggedly determined, realized that, uh, you know, special teams were a big part of every game, on the three phases in every game, and Marv Levy was a special teams coach in his background. Loved Steve Tasker. Uh, loved what he was all about. And Tasker was a team guy all the way and made a myriad of plays for the Buffalo Bills over his career as a special teamer. Also from the 1985 draft, the number one pick that year, Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith, the only guy that I heard Anthony Munoz say, hmm. Really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yep. Bruce Smith was that that, that kind of guy. Anthony Anthony felt like this was the real deal challenge wise, and uh, I, I as I recall, in the eighty was it it was the eighty one no it was the eighty eight championship game. Bruce Smith I think had two sacks against Anthony. I know he had one pretty early in the game. I can't remember if he generated a second one or not. But it was like, oh, man, Bruce Smith actually got a sack, you know, with on Anthony. And Anthony really, really respected Bruce Smith. He was uh, special athletically. I mean, long arms, quick first step, explosive, just uh, j- just an ungodly pass rusher. Tremendous. The NFL's all-time career leader in that category. Last but not least, Marv Levy. He put it all together. Four straight Super Bowls, Dan. I mean, when I think of Marv Levy, I think of that NFL films uh, show where NFL means not for long. You blow another call like that, son, he says to an official as he's going up the sideline. It means not for long. You cannot blow that call. And, you know, very professorial in his approach, but uh, an extremely gifted football coach. And you take a team to four straight Super Bowls. I know you grew up a Buffalo Bills fan. Went to the last three of those Super Bowls. Did you? I did. I mean, Norwood, Scott Norwood, wide right. I mean, I can't believe the Giants won that football game. The time of possession was like, you know, 34 minutes to, you know, 16 or something. It was crazy. It was ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, that those Buffalo Bills teams were to, to win four straight AFC championships. I don't think it'll, it may not ever happen again. NFC or AFC may not ever happen again. And Marv Levy is uh, – the real deal in terms of, uh, you know, understanding how to put not only a coaching staff together, a team, an organization, he was he was legit. All right, we are out of time. That is going to do it for this week's show. For Lap and our producer, Taryn Bland, I'm Dan Horde. You've been listening to the Bengals Game Plan Show presented by Bud Light on the First Star Logistics Bengals Radio Network.